This week, uh, we're talking about something slightly different. It's eSports with a man who is a winner. Uh, A winner, if he's anything, and that's a multi-game world champion, uh, Ryan Hart. Ryan, thanks very much for for joining us. Um, How far do we go back? When did you you first get a taste for winning? When did you first feel like a, a, a real winner? Hi, yeah, no, it's great to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, I think that question goes all the way back to 1994, where uh, we were a small group coming out of Croydon, um, heading to central London to take part in the national championship for Street Fighter at the time. Um, There was a lot of national pride behind it, and also a lot of regional and local pride. We wanted to be the best borough or the best area. And I think the competitive drive probably started a little bit before that. So it had been all about doing it for fun before that. So just going back back a bit, what what was your first introduction into it? Um, I think it was when I first got Street Fighter on my Super Nintendo. You know, my mum got me it for Christmas one year, and... um, yeah, it was very, very competitive. You saw it being played in the local arcades and everyone gathering around to be the best that they could be. Right. And, I mean, the I mean, the level of skills required is something that might be lost on a lot of our audience, but it's you might not be sort of physically exerting yourself, but the hand-eye coordination, the awareness, the, the tactical stuff is very real. Yes, and I take yes. it gets more real as the game yes, gets more sophisticated. Lot, yeah. There's a lot of depth in there. You need, like you said, hand-eye coordination. You need to be very fast. You need to be very dexterous with your hands, fingers. You need to be quite smart. It's about being, it's about, it's a battle of wits. You know, it's about being cunning. It's about being sly. It's about using skullduggery. A lot of the psychological techniques and mind games and the cerebral facets to it are no different to any other um, combat sport of of that nature. So, yeah, it's it's very interesting that behind this virtual screen, there's so much depth going on psychologically mm-hmm. that you can't actually see visually. And that's one of the attracting features for us to play. It's the fact that it's the meeting of the minds. And um, that's why it's really, really difficult to mm-hmm. win. Now, the, you know, you sort of, you're a kid, didn't you, you know, early teens and even earlier playing these games. Now, if you mm. were, if we were talking about football, right, you're right. playing football to a decent level in a part, you're dreaming about you know, making a living at it one day. I mean, not every yeah, kid yeah. dreams about that if they like football. You're going to play for your local team. You're going to play for England. Sure. You're going to, you know, you're going to have a Lamborghini and all the trappings and sure, all the rest sure. of it. So in, in your game, mm. literally, what, 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 is a, what, was, what were you as a kid dreaming of? I mean, were you thinking this could be yeah. my life? <laughs> yeah, I think, um, you, you know, you have... I think you have, um, you know, if you're talking about football, then, you know, you're playing five-a-side on Sunday in Hyde Park or whatever. Yeah. You might get picked up by a talent scout. You might not, right? Mm-hmm. It's all about being in the right place at the right time. Yeah. With fighting games, you have a bit more of a, a, a hold on everything. You have a bit more control on the reins of the whole movement because you are in charge of your progress. You're in charge of how well you do. And it's about you being proactive in finding where there are tournaments and going there and making a name for yourself like that. So you have a bit, you have a little bit more control on your progress in that sense. You know, you so can kind it of, could have been a career. You were th- already thinking in terms I can make a no, living doing not it. At all. You weren't. Not at okay. all. At that point, it was 110 percent just fun, passion, and a social activity uh, with other with other people around my age. Okay, so you got good. And mm. where where were you in your life at this time? I mean, were you were you doing well at school or? You know? um, I had a lot of difficulty. I grew up without a dad. I grew up an only child. I was quite alone a lot of the time. I found myself in all kinds of difficult situations. Um, During that period, when I first got really good, I think it was a game called King of Fighters 96. 
Um, I was homeless for a period. And so juggling those two lives was very, very challenging for me. And I suppose, you know, as a keen amateur psychologist, I would suggest it was it was giving you some relief or some distraction from the difficulties of the rest of your life. Yeah, it was definitely uh, sort of like a window through to another realm that allows me to forget my real problem, so to speak. You know, mm. it's just a way for me to let go, you know, blow some steam off, just enjoy a life where those problems quote unquote, don't exist, you know, and um, yeah, and that's kind of what I did for a little while. I used it as an avenue to keep my sanity. Um, it was a very dark place that I was entering into being alone, the life of solitude, very, very difficult to kind of uh, manage. So yeah, gaming definitely helped me uh, weather the storm, so to speak. Right. So take us back to the moment we, we, we started out with, which is when it first got competitive, you said, and you got your Posse from South London heading up for this <laughs> tournament with the big boys. Now, what happened here? I mean, in the fairy tale, you go up and you beat them, and, and that's that. But what, what actually happened? Well, what actually happened in 94, we got absolutely destroyed. We thought we'd do really well. We went down. I think a couple of the boys did all right. You know, where where was it? Where was it? Was, it was, it was, we, we travelled up from Croydon uh, to the London Trocadero where it was held. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, yeah, it was this old uh, Street Fighter 2 tournament. I think it was sponsored by Kiss FM back in that, that time. Mm-hmm. I think it was still a private radio station or something. And uh, yeah, and we were there and uh, hundreds of people were there from all over the world. There were people there from America, Japan, um, Iraq, um yeah all over all over uh europe of course because it's easier to get right. to and you thought but, yeah oh, it was it oh, was they, quite they a covered serious. event yeah it was pretty serious so yeah we just didn't do that well there was a single event and there was a team event and we lost quite badly in both and it was a really big wake-up call you know to how hard these games actually are at a competitive level so so what did you do then you go i mean if that was me i'll be honest i would have given up Right, but, but it sounds like you went back to the drawing board and said, I've got to get better at this. So, I mean, how does that work? Do you get a coach? Do you just spend more hours doing it or, or what? Well, it was it was that fork in the road, isn't it? You know, where you've got to decide what we're doing here. And I think half of our community decided to drop off. They said, you know what, guys? It's been emotional. I didn't know it was this deep. I'm out. I'm just a casual guy. I don't want to do any more. And I was on the other side of the fence where it's like, wow, this is amazing. I didn't know you could play it to that level. I didn't know it was that deep. I didn't know there was all this stuff you can do. And so I wanted more, I wanted to learn. And so I stuck with it and just hard graft grinding. Like you said, more hours on the clock, understanding more, learning more, meeting stronger players so you can develop. And then it becomes something. And then by 1996, I was in the runnings for being one of the best players. And that was the road to my first ever UK championship win. Okay, so talk us through that. Where was that? Are we back in the Trocadero or, or where? No, we're in central London still, not too far across the road, a place called Great Wilmore Street. Used mm-hmm. to have a, an establishment called Namco Wonder Park. doesn't exist anymore, not down in 99. But that was the biggest arcade at the second Trocadero. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was the most hard, hardcore arcade. You know, if you were anything on any fighting game, you gathered there to play. Um, and that was the uh, place that hosted the King of Fighters 96 National Championship. Um, yeah, and that was the uh, the first tournament I ever won. Um, but it was, you know, one of those arduous journeys where you don't know what you're going to do. You don't know if you're good enough. You're just doing the best that you can with the resources you have. And you're kind of hoping for the best result on the day. Um, and yeah, it worked out really well. You know, I, I put in a lot of work towards the end, a lot of hours. I started traveling to central London regularly so I could play with the best players. And I just made it my focus to, you know, 110% um, throttle, full throttle, full steam ahead having that six gear cranked in. And yeah, I just really wanted to, I didn't mind losing. It was going to be about that. I'd done everything I could, no matter what happened, but yeah, I went all the way. So you're not one of these winners who hates losing more than he likes winning. 
Um, once you taste victory, it grows into that. I think when you're not sure how good you are and then you win sort of like kind of half expected, half surprised, it's a bit different. Your expectation level is different. But then once winning is expected, then I think that shifts around a little bit. So after I won that tournament, I did get, I grew more, I grew more confidence. I got more comfortable with the aspect of winning. Like I kind of started to mentally understand what it is to be a champion as well and kind of take that on a little bit as a role as an inspirational role um so yeah when you lose in that vicinity then it's a bit like hard to deal with you know it can kind of i don't know push your ego about a little bit it makes you you know swallow your pride in a certain aspect and um yeah it was just part and parcel of the whole scene in general you know you have to take the wins with the losses so are you making any kind of living at this stage doing it um well now i work i work full-time at an esports company so no i but, guess I you mean, could but, say but back then were you oh sorry yeah. back then yeah there were there were tournaments that paid you know paid well there were contracts you would get where you know you get paid a salary or you get paid a certain figure for a short term of period that you spend with that organization so yeah uh, there are you know i wouldn't say it was a great living because that was back in you know the 90s the noughties and so mm. on where it wasn't as firmly established as a full-time career you know you used to get laughed out the room if you mentioned getting paid to play video games mm. you know so yeah it was a very different time okay but you but you were finding a way of getting of getting paid and at that stage i mean earlier on you said you know for all your teens it was all just about fun enjoyment but yeah. then yeah. Did, did that change once money did come into it yeah once uh, fighting games started to merge with more traditional esports then money became a standard part of the procedure it wasn't like this weird talking point it wasn't the elephant in the room anymore so yeah i think at certain points fighting game players started to get approached by established organizations that wanted to uh you know raise a fighting game department in their organization and so yeah that that became sort of normal at some point and then it was like oh hey you get paid for this oh we pay for your travel for that oh we give you accommodation oh you get a per dm and it all just became quite standard and then before you knew it contracts were being drawn up with whatever the requirements were and, and so on so yeah i think between 2000 and 2005 it started to get more normalized okay so you won the UK Championship. What what, what happens then? Is there sort of Europeans, World Championships? I mean, are you taking so, on the highest rated, I don't know, Korean or whoever's <laughs> the best? Yeah, not a bad guess. Yeah, no, it was Koreans for, for some games, definitely. Um, I think for King of Fighters, it was for me a quest of going to Japan uh, where I won the King of Fighters 98 World Championship in, in Tokyo. And um, yeah, so... This is, this is like a film script now, by the way. I mean, the <laughs> lad who's been homeless in, in the Croydon area at 18 is now going to Japan and beating them in their own backyard. Crazy. I love it. Never had a passport in my life. I was on a plane going to Tokyo at 18 years of age. I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't speak a word of Japanese. And I'm here on this flight. Um, and it was just such a surreal experience. You know, I'm, I'm there and then I got there. And then the event I was actually flown out for, I lost completely. And then off the back of that, I was also invited to another event where they had like a King of Fighters 98 World Championship. Yeah. And I won that. So it was this kind of really emotional roller coaster of, of a trip, you know. You must have been a celebrity in the, the Japanese. Yeah, it was crazy. Business. It was crazy. I, I arrived in Japan and on day one, they were like, I think I counted. 12 reporters outside of the building waiting to interview me they'd they'd heard about me from japanese players who had come to london in years previous played me lost to me gone back home and talked about me there was this british guy you know he's really good and and i i had no idea about this following that i had in japan so i get there 
and they all they all knew my name they knew what games i played they knew my style and it was really complimenting me you know i, I felt so touched by that and so yeah because this is before the days of the internet you have to bear that in mind there was yeah. no youtube there was no discord there were no twitter social media where you could just look people up and watch stuff these people were hearing about me from word of mouth in the hundreds you know with no internet how are they mm. finding out but they knew me all of them so it was just a fascinating time, you know. Um, yeah, so that was a that was a very I'll definitely hold that experience dear to my heart. They were so good to me over there. It's I, I then studied and became fluent in Japanese off the back of how nice they were to me when I visited. You're joking, where there or, or or back back here? When 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 I well when I visited they were nice to me, but when I came back yeah. to the UK I, I I studied Japanese solid. Like I really wanted to the idea was to go back to Japan to be able to thank them in Japanese. So I did that. For two years I studied, bought loads of presents, gifts. And I went back there. They never thought they'd see me again. But I went back there, surprised them and thanked them and gave them all the gifts I bought. And they were mm. really lovely guys. And and and, and we're still friends. To, well, a lot of them still friends with to this day. Some of them moved mm. away and stuff. But yeah, it's just a, a great time of my life, that memory. Amazing. And sort of competitively, was, was that your finest hour? What, what, the, tell oh. us about all the tournaments that you... I think that was just the beginning. Uh, right. Even though I won a world championship, you could say, oh, that was a peak point. But no, mm. that was just the starting. Because you still don't really know... A lot you know you think you're in a certain space then you realize you're still learning building blocks are coming up and yeah i uh after that traveled to america made some moves there traveled to the the south america you know spent some time in brazil venezuela um and i traveled the world i traveled all around went to south korea went more times to japan back to america all over europe and just kind of really loved the games. And I really fell in love with a lot of the communities around the world. Such great people. Some of them don't have the resources. They don't have the money to travel. But there's so much hidden talent out there that for me, it just became a, a great adventure just exploring and meeting these great cultures and personalities. So, yeah, definitely a lot I mean, do you, need, <laughs> do you need a sort of a, even though it's not physical, do you need mm. to have a, a thirst for combat? Yes. You need to you be don't. hungry. You need to in, you need to be okay with just destroying someone because you do break people mentally. Like you don't see it sometimes because everything's done on a little virtual screen where you see these funny little colorful characters. But what's happening internally is really horrible. You can feel really broken after a loss. It can it can haunt you for weeks, months, even years, depending on what happens. You know, so it, there's people have got a lot riding on these things as well. It's not just the the fact that you were beaten mentally by someone, but you've also lost whatever that money was or whatever that investment was, if that's gone now, mm -hmm. that opportunity is gone now. And so sometimes, you know, a lot that you don't see on camera is happening and, and it affects people's lives. You know, y decades later, people will have this regret or they'll have this God. memory or, you know, so mm. it's crazy. I mean, do you hug it out after? Like boxers depends. at the end depends. of that. It depends. I mean, just like in, in boxing or UFC, you have serious rivalry where people don't like each other. I mean, I remember a situation with two top Korean players Anyone watching this will know exactly what I mean. Final round, grand finals, knee JDCR. And these two pioneers of their community in South Korea would not shake hands after the match. They would not. You know, before the match, they wouldn't. And after the match, even after it was all done and dusted, they would not put, put a lid on it. So some of the beef, some of the rivalries are, are really serious, you know, and some of them get ironed up later on, but some don't, just like any combat. Okay, sport. But if you were, sorry, fatuous question coming up, but, but okay. if you okay. were... I mean, in hand-to-hand -hand combat, you know, if you train yeah. for that, would you be just as use just as useful? Do you think? Would yes. you be as ruthless? Yes, yes. because hand-to-hand -hand combat isn't different in that sense. Apart from the physical training, the matches are ninety percent cerebral. So, if you know how to understand how a human yeah. brain works, you can defeat anyone in any combat sport as long as you can physically keep up. You can, you can, uh, you can be effective there. And if you take it on, be, yeah. 
Have you taken on any WWF fighters, any mixed martial arts fighters or boxers? I mean, not not hand to hand. I mean, them playing the game. I just wonder if their if their mentality gets them very far on the in gaming wise. So it's like a musical instrument. You might have a tune in your head, but if your hands don't physically know how to create the how to utilize the strings on a guitar or how to you know how to combine the snare drum and bass drum on, on, on a drum kit it doesn't matter what's in your head you might have the knowledge from your skill art or profession but if you can't translate that over to something else you won't be able to play so for a, a you know for a, a fighting for a fighting aficionado like the mma champion or if you have a boxer or someone step into a fighting game realm they'll fall short because they don't have the it's funny to say this but they don't have the physical know-how on the controller to utilize the moves to get out the strategy that they want to deliver. So there's a learning curve to that. You know, the, the execution on a fighting game is very difficult, which is why there are some that excel and some don't. There are people that are amazing at theory, but they can't deliver it with their hands because their hands aren't, you know, aren't developed enough for that. Maybe not dexterous enough and so on. So there are many skillful necessities to being... You know, there are many areas that you need that are prerequisite for being good at a fighting game. I mean, in, in football, you're thought to peak generally in your late 20s, depending on what mm. position you play. What about, what, about right. in your, what about in your game? I mean, you've got a few miles on the clock now compared to what you were. I mean, haven't we all? But are you, have you still, yeah. are you still as quick? Are you... Yeah, um, it's an interesting question. I think it's quite open at the moment. You know, there's a lot of theory around um, what happens in gaming because each game has different requirements as well. So it's not just gaming as one entity. It's like, well, which part of the the area, you know, which part of the, what genre of game do you play? So fighting games, you know, require a lot of speed, a lot of really intricate inputs, whereas other games that are competitive may not, you know, require that as much and stuff. So there's some changes there. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting one. I feel like for fighting games, I think you can play if you're seasoned enough so that your body's used to it, you know, you've got the muscle memory developed, you can play well into your, I think you could play into your fifties to be really honest. I mean, the, um, I mean, which contest I've got, I can see over your right shoulder, uh, plenty of trophies in the cabinet. Is there <laughs> one that means more to you? Is there one, is there one sort of fight which you treasure above all else? Maybe showing those miserable North Korean uh, South Koreans what it's all what it was all about is there, is there one that sticks in your mind definitely haven't even played any North Koreans yet no. um, but uh yeah so you know winning evolution championship series uh, in 2004 uh, meant a lot to me um I didn't actually play any Koreans in that tournament but it was off the back of defeating one of the best Korean players and then losing to him in a tournament the year before and that bothered me and I trained up for an entire year went back and then won the tournament the year after having prepared for him you know and that meant a lot to me because it was one of those journeys that was very personal you know it meant a lot to me I, I put a lot on the line I sacrificed a lot for that goal so I think when you know that you've had active sacrifice for something that you then achieve it means a whole lot more mm-hmm. and that would be one I would say yeah that that trophy means a lot to me I mean, my life's full of parents who despair <laughs> at the amount of time their children have spent playing video games we out. I mean, how could you ever have that conversation with a child? I mean, given what you do, I mean, and what should we say to our children? Because, I mean, you don't want them doing it all day and all night, do you? My mom was uh, my mom was always very supportive. I mean, I think she she could tell by the way I was into it that I was heavily invested, and but not to the degree that I wasn't doing anything else. And she, I think, because she always saw 
that there was balance there. You know, I was still in college. I was still having, fr- I had friends, you know, I had a social life, you know, I had a girlfriend. I mean, it wasn't just, this is all I do. Mm-hmm. I don't leave the house. I live in the cave. My mum <laughs> brings me meals. Like it wasn't anything like that, you know? So I think, <laughs> you know, I think because it wasn't, you know, like, a okay, we might, maybe we need to be a bit worried about Ryan, you know, because it wasn't that, um, I think it was okay. And also I just think my mum was, glad to see me just injecting some passion into some stuff you know and I've always been into things that require hand-eye coordination like I played drums in high school I did martial arts as well I was always into stuff where it involves the body and you know strategy I liked things that involved expressing my creative vision in whatever it was so I think for my mum I'm not sure she could tell that this was anything more than the others maybe she just thought oh this is his latest project and so on and then once I started winning well then you're already in a place where you have data for discussion don't you you yeah. have you know well, <laughs> yeah, well I'm, I'm the yeah. champion you know this is yeah. this is clearly valuable here so I think it wasn't ever a place where I'm just dr- like wasting hours and hours and hours with nothing to show yeah. for it which is where a lot of parents get concerned so it- yeah I think a, a real joy to speak to you, Ryan. Congratulations on uh, thank on, you so much. on everything you've achieved. That's uh, Ryan Hart, gaming champion, in our winners' enclosure. It's just coming up to one o'clock. Thanks for listening. The voice of the UK. This is BBC Radio Five Live. Adrian, thank you very much indeed. One o'clock. Time for the news. Here's Bethan Holmes.